Okay, we're back with Buckeye Talk. We're in our hotel room in uh, Woodbridge, New Jersey. It's either Woodbridge or Edison or New Brunswick or East Brunswick or Piscataway. Matuchin. Yeah, Matuchin. Or, or South Piscataway. So, yeah. We're still kind of near Rutgers where Ohio State won 56 to nothing tonight, not to be confused with the 58 nothing win um, of a year ago. Uh, we have stories at cleveland.com. We have videos at cleveland.com that we shot. So let's, uh, as we do our post-game Buckeye Talk podcast again, you guys know this is Buckeye Talk. We just did our 100th episode last week. We had Marty Smith from ESPN on as a special guest. We went for two freaking hours, and there were crickets in, in the uh, throughout it because we did it outside. No crickets tonight. We're not going to go two hours. We're going to break down this game real quickly and look ahead to Maryland next week. Um, Tim Bielek, Bill Landis, Doug Maurice. First thing real quick, someone during the end of the game when we're all tweeting and you interact with fans a little bit, someone tweeted me, uh, the Terps will be a test next week versus Maryland at 4 o'clock in Ohio Stadium. I just tweeted back, disagree. Uh, Maryland has beaten Texas. Maryland lost to Central Florida. Um, they've been a little up, a little down. They beat Minnesota. Uh, with their third-string quarterback uh, on Saturday. Bill, do you think that Maryland, and we're just, you know, we're hours after this win, but that's what's next. Is Maryland a test? Like a test compared to Rutgers? Yeah, I guess. Maybe. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Maryland is never... For all we know, Maryland? Yeah, Maryland has never been a test. (laughs) And Maryland's long and storied time in the Big Ten... Um, they've been about as competitive with Ohio State as Rutgers, which has not been competitive at all. So, no, I don't think Maryland's a test. I mean, Maryland was competitive overall last year. They beat Michigan State last year. Michigan State had a down year. Was Maryland – Maryland, Maryland, went to, Maryland went to a bowl last year, yeah, right? Yeah, And lost to Ohio State 62-3 to mm-hmm. in the middle of their bowl season. And as bad as this Rutgers game was on Saturday night, I still think the worst game I've ever covered is the 62-3 game at Maryland last year that just – from the second it kicked off, didn't feel like a college football game. Tim, you do our Big Ten power rankings every week. We all vote on them, but Tim puts them together and has a better vibe, I think, for the league as a whole. They have Maryland has your guy, your guy, who I saw in a highlight pop and run. Talk to us about that Maryland running back, and then from what you know, do you expect this to be a test? Um, well, that Maryland running back you talk about is Ty Johnson. I kind of nicknamed him Mr. Yards Per Carry because for a while he was aver- he was averaging like 9, 10 yards a carry. He's not, he doesn't necessarily get the football a lot, but as you mentioned, he had that game-winning touchdown run. He just ripped right through Minnesota's defense. He looks like he's got a little something. Yeah, he's got a little something, yeah. and I think that's the big difference between Maryland and Rutgers. Maryland has some guys. Yes. Like, they can play. Uh, like, Ty Johnson's a very good running back. DJ Moore's a very good receiver. Here's the thing with he's them. He's still there. Yeah. He's, he's playing well. This guys hang around, man. Yeah. Like he's been to college for four years or something. Stephon Diggs. Yeah. He's, a, he's a dangerous player. He's been in the NFL for three yeah. years. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the thing with Maryland, and this is kind of the unfortunate thing for them, they have been snake bin this year. They've lost not one but two starting quarterbacks to ACL injuries. They lost Terrell Pigram against Texas, and then Kasim Hill went down against Central Florida. So now they're on their third-string quarterback, and they still won a game on the road in the Big Ten, which, I mean, in general, is not easy to do. I mean, it's like they're... Rutgers is bottom of the barrel. Rutgers and Illinois are the two worst teams in the Big Ten, yes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Maryland is middle of the pack? 
or are they not quite as good as middle of the pack? I think, I they think, beat Minnesota. Minnesota was undefeated. I think, yeah, middle of the pack probably right. Yeah, middle of the pack, and I'd, I'd be willing to There's buy There's not a, much space between bottom of the barrel and middle of the pack. <laughs> yeah, I'd be willing to buy a little stock in Maryland. They're, I don't think they're going to... I'll never, sell you some. How much you want to buy it for? <laughs> <laughs> they're never going to be top three, but the, they're they're better. I they have they have made some improvements. I don't I don't think they're gonna be in a position to challenge Ohio State this year or down the road, but you know, they they are a step up from Rutgers. So as far as yeah. a test, I don't know if I call it a test, but you know, they it is gonna be a, a different opponent because Maryland had like we said, Maryland has some guys. Yeah. I think that alone, you know, it's that next progression we keep talking about. You progress from Army to UNLV to Rutgers, and now you progress from Maryland. It's yeah. like that difficulty is going up a little bit. I do think I do think it's it's that. I still don't think it's a test, but it's Ruck, Maryland has a little bit of something. Rutgers has a whole lot of nothing. I mean, that mm-hmm. is just that was just a non-competitive football team. Uh, all right, let's spring my theory on you guys. We talked about briefly. I found Urban Meyer interesting after the game in that we were asking questions and talking about the couple deep balls they hit. They hit one to Ben Victor in the corner of the end zone that made you think, like, yeah, that's the kind of pass that JT Barrett should throw and Ben Victor should make a grab on. Um, they had a broken play, or a broken coverage uh, by Rutgers where Johnny Dixon got a freebie for 70 yards. They had another one to Johnny Dixon over the middle, which is, which is this play they've hit repeatedly. And I asked Johnny Dixon about, like, how do you keep hitting this where they run mesh routes across the middle in front of Johnny Dixon, and that Johnny Dixon, sometimes as Terry McLaurin, just settles in behind them. JT rifles it in the middle of the field, and then they catch it and go. Johnny Dixon's hit at least three of those for big plays this year. He said, you know, I'm, I'm not giving secrets away. It's not a secret. Everybody sees it, and nobody stops it. Um, and then he hit the deep ball to Johnny Dixon for 67 yards on the sideline that was called back because they called Johnny Dixon for a push-off. Um, but Urban Meyer, when we asked about the deep ball, immediately talked about the ones they missed early on. JT had a couple early on where he didn't get enough loft under it. He clearly overthrew guys. And it's, it, Urban, didn't you think Urban was like actually perturbed about yeah. that? That he those throws didn't give guys a chance. Yeah, it was one to McLaurin um, down the sideline, one to Victor or Mac. I forget. There was like a very weird. I think it was Mac. It was a very weird lofted ball. That I'm not even totally sure what the intended purpose was because like Mac just ran like smack into a defender, and then the ball was thrown over his head. Yeah, um, I think he's tired of seeing like inconsistencies, which is like all that's kind of left to I guess be bothered by at this point because they're kicking the crap out of everybody. Um, JT Barrett has been around long enough that he shouldn't be missing guys like that, especially at the rate that he ha- that he has in his career. He missed KJ Hill last week against UNLV. Um, I think that for as much as Urban Meyer does love JT Barrett and as good as JT is and all the records and stuff he has, that that I think the inconsistency might bother him more than anything else in the throwing game. And but, when you have opportunities, missed opportunities for big plays. But but then they got better, right? I mean, like it was a bad first quarter, but by the the last three quarters, I mean JT played till the middle of the third quarter. So the last quarter and a half for JT, he hit more than we've seen all year, and I know it's Rutgers, and I just want to say this, and we'll get this out of the way. It's who they played. I mean, I like Urban got a lot of questions after the game, like, what do you take away from this? Here's what you take away from it. They suck, 
we had to play them. We took care of business, and in the process of taking care of business, we worked on some things and improved on some things we need to improve on. I said in my story that I wrote after the game, it wasn't just dominance for the sake of dominance. It was like dominance with a purpose. Yeah. That they just didn't come out and hand it to J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber 30 times each, and they would have done the same thing to Rutgers, but they wouldn't have learned anything or gotten better at anything. They worked on what they needed to work on, and it got better. So uh, should they not? So, okay, I get it. Rutgers stinks. What are you supposed to do? You can't play Oklahoma wasn't on the schedule tonight. Yeah. So I, I know I know you can't assume they're going to beat Penn State because they beat Rutgers. But, Tim, did you, not, did you find it to be meaningful steps in the passing game, or do you brush it off because Rutgers stinks? I think there's meaning in it because because it's what we've talked about the last couple of weeks, the evolution of the passing game. We talked about it last week. I think you actually predicted it, that this would be the week they start to go down the field. And I'm curious just to take a look at the passing chart for this week and put that together. Because by my math, I counted three deep balls he completed mm-hmm. that went further than 20 yards. And he had two coming into this game. Two all season, right? Yeah, two yeah, all two season or... coming into this game. He Where had the ball, the ball flies more than 20 yards in the air. Not to be concerned, confused with when he throws a pass behind the line of scrimmage and Paris Campbell runs 70 yards with it. So that's what Tim's talking about, and that's a, that's what you're saying is a big deal. Exactly. I actually think the be- the most important throw he made was there was a third and 13, and he hits Ben Victor for 46 yards. I kind of thought that was his most important throw because the, the touchdown to Victor was another jump ball, which is good to see that you know he's trusting Victor more with those, but... To complete that kind of pass, I mean, shows he's got more confidence in himself. Yeah. And that's the big thing with JT is the is we wonder where his confidence was after Oklahoma. We've seen the confidence get built up a little bit. It was also interesting, after the game, JT Barrett said he felt like in the beginning he was pressing a little bit. Yeah. it's It seems like slow starts are just a thing with JT Barrett. It seems like every game we see him struggle a little bit early on. He gets a, he gets a rhythm going. You know, once he has time to see what the defense is doing, he adjusts a little bit. And then, particularly in this game, after he had time to adjust, it was just, you know, the air show we haven't seen all season from JT. It's just, it's, you we, you talked about kind of Urban Meyer is perturbed a little bit. He's probably not happy seeing JT continue to start as slowly as he has. So here's what I think is good about it, though, and here's where we get to my theory. I feel like... The passing game maybe is in a similar place as a year ago, but last year it felt like we were wondering about the passing game all year, and it was sort of like, we're winning, we're winning, it's okay. Why is everyone like to sort of ask negative questions as we're undefeated? Um, and then it, it bit them against Penn State, and they still made the playoff, and then once they got to Clemson, it was too late. They, they never really learned how to throw it effectively, uh, and they got shut out. This year, they hit bottom early. Because they didn't beat Oklahoma with some you know, jump balls to Noah Brown like they did a year ago. They lost, and everything that was wrong was laid bare. And you, you, saw, you saw JT Barrett compared to Baker Mayfield, and it looked like they were playing different positions. Yeah. It's like there's a guy who makes plays, who's confident, who will throw the ball, and there's JT Barrett who looks afraid to let it go. So it feels to me like, yeah, it, there's a lot of the same problems with the passing game, but I feel like they're talking about it, they're addressing it, they're working on it, they're expanding it gradually, they're improving it. I feel like since the Oklahoma game, these three games have been significant strides, and yet we get to the post-game news conference and Urban Meyer's perturbed. Yeah. And I thought that's a really good sign, and 
we all know I make fun of the phrase blessing in disguise because blessing in disguise means if something's a blessing, it means you're happy it happened. They would have rather beaten Oklahoma. <laughs> if you said, would you rather beat Oklahoma or would you rather get your butt kicked by Oklahoma and learn valuable? You'd say, win, take the win, we take the win. Yeah. Every time you take the win. So it's not a blessing. It's just a reality. And then you have to adjust. But I feel like the passing game, the thought process, and the sort of the trajectory of the passing game, even though the problems are similar, I feel like that is different. And that is better than a year ago. There's been like more of a dialogue, it feels like. But I think that's like with us and them, and then I think within their thing, too. Because like you said, last year was always a one-sided deal of us asking what's wrong and them saying nothing's wrong, we won. And then that was the end of it. Right. And then like after two weeks, they were mad to be kept asking about it. And now we don't even have to ask about it. Urban just brings it up organically because right. he is upset with it. He sees the whole thing. And what I think happened, I'm not going to use the word blessing this, guys. I'll use a different phrase. They had a reality check. You know, when we saw the same issues pop up in the Oklahoma game that we'd seen in the past, but OSU... Uh, Maybe Urban and company swept them under the rug because they thought they could keep winning and then, you know, eventually things will get turned around. They saw in Oklahoma, they couldn't deny it anymore. The passing game was just right. broken. And, you know, they saw that JT just had a complete confidence problem. And I'd so, okay, so you use, you use the word the passing game was broken against Oklahoma. I think we would all agree with that word, right? Mm-hmm. Is it fixed? Or is it at the very least no longer broken? Do you, do you think it's a broken passing game right now? No, I think it is in some stage of being repaired. So I, I guess technically maybe that if it's not fully repaired, then it is somewhat still broken. But certainly not broken to the point that it was four weeks ago. But I feel like last, like last year, they didn't even take it to the shop. Right. It's like there was that noise. There was a rattling. Yeah. And it kept rattling. It's like, well, it's, it's still running. And we were like, but it's, it's going to break down. And they were like, it's still running. And now it's in the shop. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Here's a metaphor I'll throw in. It's like road construction. You know, you can drive Wait, on a So we're, we're doing a auto body metaphor and a road construction metaphor back to back. Can people handle that? Well, here's, all right. here's what I'll say. Last year, you know, you're driving along, it's like you're driving on the road. All of a sudden, you hit some potholes. You're like, oh, we'll fix a hole, and that's fine. And then another hole pops up, and another. And by the, by the end of it, you have a giant sinkhole in the road. So that, you're in Cleveland? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Direct your emails to blandis at cleveland.com. <laughs> the sinkhole was the Clemson loss last year. And again, you know, they thought that you could patch up the road and everything was fine, but you realize there's still problems with the concrete. So what they did, just completely ripped the road, and now you're trying to rebuild it from the ground up. That is essentially what, to me, feels like it's happened in the last three weeks, and what you have, and what Urban and company are hoping continues to happen over the next two, so that going into the bye, the passing game is in a much better place. And you can fully concentrate with two weeks to prepare for Penn State. And you know what happened to your sinkhole after last season? Baker Mayfield stabbed yeah, your sinkhole with a flag. <laughs> oh, I got stabbed in the sinkhole. You Dude. know what I'm excited for? Um, stories about the bye week coming at the wrong time for Ohio State. Oh. Because that's going to yeah. happen. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stories that we can predict coming. <laughs> so listen, I think I, I'm normally... A what's what's a fair word to say? Negative jerk. Um, That's strong. I feel like I am at the moment more positive than a lot of people on my Twitter feed. At least I think more positive than some people in the media of like the idea of I. It's not Penn State, but it's it's who they're playing, and I'm not. I personally am not 
brushing aside the progress just because it's Rutgers. And so the weird thing, and we talked about the video, is like Rutgers plays man. That seems like a bad idea. I don't know that a lot of other teams are going to do that. But I asked, like I asked that to Johnny Dixon, okay, so you guys did this against man-to-man coverage tonight. Can you do it against the zone? He was like, yeah. And it's like, okay, well, you, you know, you, but, but again, that to me is like, okay, well, you haven't. You haven't done the deep balls against the zone, right? Yeah. But you just did it against man-to-man defense. Future teams are going to play you zone. We were saying to Ben Victor, would you play man against you? And he was like, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> it's like, yeah, nobody would except Chris Ash. But, but so what's a good way to start hitting deep balls against the zone? Well, him against man-to-man first. Yeah. You know, you have to start, you have to do something. And so I feel like, honestly, with the past game, the last three weeks, basically they've done everything they could. And yeah. I certainly, even knowing Oklahoma was going to be followed by Army, UNLV, and Rutgers, I was not assuming they would do everything they could with their progress. I thought there still might be issues. It was certainly on the table for them to look bad, because we've seen that before, too. Even against these crappy teams, they've looked bad. Even last year. And I guess, like, Northwestern and... I guess it was Indiana last year, are not necessarily crappy teams to the level that Rutgers is, but, you know, if they came out and beat Rutgers like 31-6, to I don't know. that. I feel like we feel a lot different about that than we do 56 nothing. And they missed the deep balls early, and they kept trying. Yeah. I feel like if we didn't get into specifics with Urban. Urban was, I think, like in a little bit of a... I think it's a tough spot for Urban. It's like Chris Ash is your former assistant. You kick his butt. You know they're terrible. You're not exactly sure, whatever. You just want to get home. Um... But they kept trying, and I do feel like there is, and we, we talked a lot about this the week after Oklahoma when Kevin Wilson was falling on the sword and taking the blame for that. Clearly, there's, that has improved, has it not? Whatever issues yeah. people were talking yeah. about with a stale Urban Meyer offense. Except Kevin for Wilson. that one screen pass I tried to throw from the two-yard line that going for a loss to turn oh, the yeah. I don't know what the hell that was. And the, Yeah, right. When they should have just pounded it in, and they're trying they to... Yeah, it was like when the quarter switched, and they did the game with the Weber, and Weber scored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, that worked. Yeah. Um, but, but, I mean, there were whole stretches against Oklahoma where it's like, doesn't make sense, doesn't make sense, why are you doing that? That's a terrible idea, fail. And it's that progress from Kevin Wilson saying, I was awful, to this... Again, I feel there are actual things that, that will carry over, even against a much better defense, because I think Urban Meyer and Kevin Wilson and JT Barrett and everybody have figured themselves out a little bit. Yeah, it seems that way. It, it seems, it, there's more flow. Like, it actually feels like they have a game plan and like a, like a plan of attack, which they clearly didn't have against Oklahoma and frankly haven't had against really anybody probably since like they played Rutgers last year. Um, so, yeah, I would... I know it's tough, like you said. It's really, really tough to take anything that Ohio State's done the last three weeks as a positive and not just like take it for granted because that's what they're supposed to do. And I think it's half, it's, it's parts of each, but you have to be able to kind of see past that stuff and, and notice the, the building blocks that, we have, that we've had from Army to UNLV to this game now. You're seeing a complete picture, I think, of what Ohio State's offense can be regardless of the opponent because you're seeing a mix of man, you're seeing a mix of zone, you're seeing different ways they attack stuff, you're seeing plays build off one another, and that, that's promising. JT was 14 of 22, 275, three touchdowns, took two sacks. We saw a little bit of Dwayne Haskins, a little bit of Joe Burrow. Uh, Dwayne Burrow Haskins. Ball. Burrow was two for two for 20 yards. Haskins, three of six for 47 yards and a touchdown. Um, Tim, 
I want to get your read on this. Obviously, more Mike Weber tonight. He had more carries against Rutgers than he had in the first four games combined. He had seven carries coming in, 10 carries, 44 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, only six carries for 53 yards. I feel like that just sort of is the way it developed. I'm not reading it, anything into that. Certainly, Mike Weber is not ahead of J.K. Dobbins on the depth chart just because no. he got more carries. But, from again, this was the first time we saw this, the first time we saw healthy Weber, healthy Dobbins together. What, was your, what kind of read did you get on the run game and the tailbacks based on what we saw tonight? 16 combined carries for those two for 97 yards. How do you think that that mix and match is going to work? Um, well, you know, I talked to Billy Price after the game, you know, about Mike getting the 10 carries. He felt it was important for, you know, Mike to get his feet wet, to get back into a flow. And it, the way it kind of unfolded was kind of what I was thinking was going to happen. Is I feel like I feel like in under in more situations than not, Dobbins will get more carries than Weber, but I can also see in situations where, where once they get inside the 10, Weber's going to get the ball and they're just going to hammer away at the defensive line. Vulture. Exactly. Like, you brought the Mike Tolbert comparison. That almost... Yeah, I was afraid to ask him about it. Yeah, that, I, I mean... Mad. Mike Tolbert's kind of chubby, right? Yeah, but that's not what it is. People were like, what are you saying? Mike Weber's got a gut? Like, no, I'm saying Mike Weber vultures touchdowns. Oh. Which is fine. Like, yeah, Mike, I Mike mean, Tolbert made a lot of money vulturing touchdowns. Exactly. I mean, when you say vulturing touchdowns, I mean, it's a specific role. You're, he's a power back. What do you want in your, out of your power back? You want to have a guy inside the 10-yard line that when you go on a long drive, you have the defense backed up, they're exhausted, you hit him with a 225-pound changeup. That's Mike Weber. Yeah, especially for a team that's had a hard time scoring touchdowns in the red zone in the last few years. I also think there's a little psychology of, like, Mike Weber's been waiting. The true freshman kind of took his job while he was dealing with his hamstring stuff. Let Mikey get some. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's okay. Like, J.K.'s already – J.K. had 29 carries in the opener. Like, he's getting his, although he's still – like, he hasn't had close to that many carries since then. Um so for one night, let Weber get his, let him get back in the flow. Between Dobbins and Weber, if you only had 16 tailback carries, like getting Mike Weber some confidence and some rhythm um, was more important than getting J.K. Dobbins the ball tonight. So, yeah. again, where will they be for Nebraska and Penn State? I think they'll be in a much better place. And I think that's – here's the thing. J.K. Dobbins is great. I don't want a true freshman having 29 carries. That, to me, no. is not the most effective way for this offense to succeed. So – you need to have J.K. Dobbins have a chance to make plays. He did pop uh, like a 34-yard run. I think it's a little yeah. He had six carries for 53 yards. He had a long of 34, and he got through that hole, but broke one tackle, and for a moment you thought he was going to break another. I mean, he has that pop through a hole yeah. and ooh, 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 ooh kind of stuff very, very effectively. Um, I might. I, I have to decide. I think we could drop in the live pizza sound at the end of this, or do we save it for next week? Hmm. I think save it for because we've discussed before that this is a little different from the normal Buckeye talk. And, okay. And, and yeah. Nine minutes of hard pizza taste testing is Buckeye talk. Okay. Yeah, this is more strict football, like breaking down X's and O's and things like that. Okay. Can you give people a thirty-second tease? We did take Tim to eat New Jersey pizza. Did it change your life, Tim Bielek? Life changing is a hard phrase to apply. I will say I was... Tim, let me, put, let me phrase it this way. You recently became engaged, yes. and you ate pizza, East Coast pizza on the East Coast for the first time. Which was more of a life-changing experience? 
Well, considering my fiance listens to this podcast, I have to say the engagement. Although, when it comes to the pizza, it met my expectations because of the way you, of the way you guys talked about it. I kind of had expectations of, of what I was getting, and it met my expectations, which which I think is important. And and that's also important in a relationship to mm-hmm. meet expectations. I fall short of my wife's expectations all the time. <laughs> So just let, that's some early marital advice for you, Tim. Got it. Just like pizza, think of yourself as the pizza. You want to meet expectations. You want to be a little, you want to be crispy and chewy, right? You want to be a little bit floppy, um, but a little bit, a little bit cheesy, right? Mm-hmm. Tim, be the pizza. Uh, all right, so listen, we'll get to more pizza talk on Wednesday. That, like that's... Here's this would be my only message, and you guys say you can give a final message too. Maybe we'll start doing this. Yeah. Everyone, final fifteen seconds. What's your message? My message is don't brush it off just because Rutgers sucks. That's all. You can take something from this. You like that was that was kind of the bottom of this offense against Oklahoma. Yeah. So I am not ignoring. 628 yards of total offense, 9.2 yards per play. Um, JT averaging 12 yards per attempt instead of 8 yards per attempt like he was coming in. I'm taking something from it. I agree with that, maybe except for like the defensive side of it. <laughs> I think there's still a lot of questions about Ohio State's defense, despite pitching a shutout and holding Rutgers at like just over 200 yards total offense. That was an incompetent Rutgers offense. They were awful on offense. And I actually think they'd be a little better if they played that Lewis Cater quarterback all the time. Yeah, they were... I wrote about him in Power Rankings last week that I, I really liked him, and in the breakfast also, Jerry Kill mentioned that he wanted to play him more. He did. Here's the thing. They both can't throw, and the other guy does something much better. Lewis does something much better than Kyle Bolin, and that's a run. He's 240 pounds. They should be using him more like the belldozer at Oklahoma or Tebow in the early days of Florida. You know who should run the triple option? Rutgers. <laughs> he was 3 for 10 passing with two picks. Yeah. One ball was to the line. He kind of can't throw. Yeah. Um, but he's a big guy. He got sacked a couple times. He had 12 carries for a net 14 yards, but he lost. I don't know. I think my. Uh, he's a. I was going to say, he's a bad matchup against Ohio <laughs> State. The whole Rutgers team is a bad matchup yeah. against Ohio State. He seemed to me a little bit better in theory than execution. It's like, ooh, get that big quarterback in there. And see, it was like, oh, it doesn't work. There was some indecisive stuff going on with their like zone read game, where like there were three different options and the quarterback didn't know like which one of the three should have the ball, and then Nick Bosa was on top of you. <laughs> yeah, that is another thing. That's the more advice for you, Tim, going forward in life. Don't hesitate, or Nick Bosa will be on top of you. <laughs> um, all right, that's going to do it for our post game Buckeye talk again. Ohio State beats Rutgers fifty six to nothing, which is a two point improvement. For the Scarlet Knights from a year ago when they lost 58 to nothing. So, congratulations to Rutgers for that. Uh, the four game series in the history of the Ohio State Rutgers series since Rutgers joined the Big Ten, 733 to 11, <laughs> I think is the breakdown of that. Close. Something like that. Ohio State's roughly, it's <laughs> roughly 219 to 24, I think, is my math. 219 to 24. Um, so, yeah, so that was that. Monday, we will be back uh, talking to Urban Meyer in Columbus. Uh, We'll have some more stories up this weekend. We'll be back with a full Buckeye Talk, episode 101 on Wednesday. It will not go two hours. It will not have a handsome special guest from ESPN. Just one from (laughs) Cleveland.com. 
will. You can guess who that is. It will include the three of us sitting around talking football and talking food. So thanks to you guys for listening again for Bill Landis and Tim Bielek. I'm Doug Lamarice, Ohio State beat Rutgers 56 to nothing. And that was Buckeye Talk.